Welcome to Between Alpha and Omega. This is Tim Talks, because I ripped that off, and it's amazing. It's not Ted. It's Tim. Uh, if you haven't been introduced to Tim Talks, it's basically where I talk and do a message or talk about scripture, or sometimes I have a guest. And today's guest, I'm really excited to have on the show, quite honestly. Uh, is someone I've known for a long time. I have knew through his daughter. Uh, he's a father of some very talented children, a husband to an amazing wife. Uh, and it's my friend, Chris Routon. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you, Tim? I'm good. I'm good. So how are things going in your life, man? Things are good. Um, I'm, I'm here. You're doing here. Podcast. I am a podcast virgin. So this is my very first experience to do something like this, and I am honestly excited. So thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited to have you here. Uh, I, we kind of talked a couple weeks ago, and just getting to know you more has been fascinating. Thanks. Yeah. Is this the actual thing? Yeah. Oh, we're actually on it. Yeah. Oh, I thought we were doing like a setup first. No, no. We're <laughs> <laughs> totally recording. I'm leaving all oh that in too. Oh my God. This is... <laughs> you can see your voice. This is embarrassing. <laughs> I thought we were like doing just a little warm up. No, no. We're going oh for it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. All right. This is real. This is real. <laughs> <laughs> I love you so much. I can't wait till Julie hears this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully I go to Atlanta and get her and Joey on the podcast. Oh, I'm sure they would have a lot to say. I'm sure they would. <laughs> I, I'm excited to hear from you and kind of your experience. Uh, uh, you're someone that's been a part of the mega church, as we call it here. I've I've been a part of a lot of churches. Um, and matter of fact, you know, a couple mega churches, Ooh. if you will. So do tell, do tell. Um, obviously mean, not to dox yourself, but well, right. I mean, that's the whole, you know, honestly, uh, that's the reason we have been in St. Louis for um, well, 20 years this fall. Uh, we were living in New York city at the time and I was hired by a church here in St. Louis. So, uh, I will forever be grateful for that. Um, yeah. because you know, it's what got me here and, you know, every experience, mega church, middle sized church, small church, every experience I've ever had. Um, it's part of the mosaic of who I am. And, you know, right. I, I feel like I've, I've gained things. I've lost things. I've learned things. Um, I mean, it's kind of a mixed bag. So, you know, I, I look back and I can honestly say I don't have regrets because each one of these situations move, moves me forward. And I think oftentimes, even after you're away from something, um, and not as emotional, maybe you start, you can start to learn more about yourself Absolutely. and be a bit more objective than when you're in the heat of something. Yeah. You, you get away from the emotional hurt and you realize mm, it wasn't all bad. Right. Absolutely. Or, you know, in, in some cases it was all good and you just had to move on because God moved you in a different place. Yeah. I mean, it, I think it's just, it, church, being a part of a church culture is no different than any other culture. Mm-hmm. there's all kinds of personalities, there's all kinds of situations, there is good days, there's bad days, there's medium days, there's good people and bad people. Um, and just because it's a church doesn't mean that it's exempt. Uh, you know, I think some people who are younger and um, begin a journey of wanting to be a staff member for a church, I think they have these notions that, oh, it's going to be great, we're just going to you know, pray and have Bible study and sing all day. And then I think um, when they realize, no, there's a lot, there's actually work 
yeah. that needs to be done to run a church, especially, you know, the mega church and others like that. It takes a lot of work. And, um, you know, so I just, I, then all of a sudden people realize that, okay, we're working, we're doing things that I never expected. And then people happen. <laughs> and again, I think, you know, people who are newer to this are, are thinking that everyone's angelic and floats 10 feet high and, and everything's just all, you know, harps and praises and whatnot. And it's just not true because the church is ran by people who are human and most times very fallible. Very broken. Yeah, and broken. So, you know, I think for some people it's a, um, they romanticize, you know, what it might be mm -hmm. to be on a church staff or to be in leadership. And I've seen it happen <laughs> all the time. And, you know, I'm like, oh, man, no, that's not quite how it is. So, right. So you were you involved in a church in New York or? I was. You were? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Let's, let's actually go further back. What got you started into oh. churches? Wow. Like working for a church? I feel like I'm giving an online resume right now. <laughs> I'm 32. Okay, yeah. No, I'm not. So anyway, so... Uh, I mean, I guess it started, I have to say, it goes all the way back to when I was a little kid. Okay. Um, I'll try to make this quick. So, uh, you know, my mom and my dad were somewhat musical. My mom loved to sing and write songs. She was super folksy. And, um, and she was, you know, really a, a spiritual foundation to our house. And I just remember in my earliest of years, Mom and I would sing, we would write songs, and then every morning we would read the Bible together. Mm -hmm. And uh, and even through grade school, you know, there was like a little bit of a 10-minute, hey, let's read some Bible before you go, and she would pray for me and send me off. Um, and then next thing you know, that singing transferred into, I'm singing in kids' church, and then I remember the first time I sang in an adult <laughs> worship service, oh. I was maybe six years old, five or six years old. Wow. And I remember, I still remember this. The pastor of the church had heard me singing in kids' church. Okay. And he's like, I want you to sing, you know. And I was like, all right. So, you know, you're a, just almost a toddler still. And you're like, sure, yeah, let's do this. And so I remember I got up and sang. And, you know, at that age, you don't understand how God works and how emotions are. And I just remember people were crying. So I, I, I just remember thinking, what is going on? So I remember I'm done singing. My mom was on the side of the stage and I ran off and I just started crying. She's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I made everybody cry. <laughs> I can't believe that. And, and then my mom took time and she's like, no, 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 no. And she explained to me how, you know, God moves through music and how God moves through people. Um, and then that, once I understood that, then I wanted to do it more. I mean, literally, I've been singing in church in some capacity since six years old. Wow. Uh, move ahead to youth. Uh, I became a, a worship leader for my youth group. Okay. I think I was 16. Mm -hmm. um, then started doing things in the adult services. Uh, then I went to school in Southern California on a music scholarship and heavily involved in my church in Southern California. And then that turned into, you know, people going, oh, you need to work for the, you need to be, and I had no concept a hundred years ago that you could have a career. <laughs> right. I was just doing the thing that I love to do. Mm -hmm. And I loved, I always loved being in an environment 
with church and with worshipers because it was just a way to do something meaningful with my talent. Not any disrespect to, you know, what, you know, like my son travels, he lives in Nashville, you know, he's part of this really awesome band and they do a lot of things and that's not church. And so no disrespect to that, you know, he's doing his thing. I just always felt like this calling to do it in church because there was something about when people would come together Mm -hmm. and, and we would be corporate and one mind, one accord thing that always like made me feel really good inside. Yeah. And I felt like I, I liked the whole idea of taking people somewhere, but not being on a journey by myself. It was always a bummer. Like, it's like, oh, no one's singing today. That, that, that stinks. But, you know, right. so then the next thing you know, I, I get a job uh, part time in college one thing leads to the next. And now it's like 33 years later, that kind of became my, and, and, and right. I, I went to school on a music scholarship and I didn't even have music declared as my major. That's how I, singing <laughs> nice. was just my thing. My, my right. thing that I did, it was my personal thing. It was my worship to God and I shared it with other people. And, and that was as far as I really saw it. Um, you know, I, Redonda laughs to this day because I, I was an English and psychology major, declared that. Right. Um, and then soon after, I, I switched everything into music when I realized that um, you got to know how to spell really well if you're going to be an English major and teach people, you know, so that, you know, still haunts me to this day. Thank God for spell check. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, that that's literally how it began. It just sort of, uh, I always like to say this. I'm a big Harry Potter fan. Okay. All okay. right. So let's get into some Harry, Harry po- Potter. Harry Potter theology 101. All right. So that one scene, and I will never forget it. I think it's the first one when he's figuring out he has these gifts and they're doing the whole wand thing and it's the wand chooses the wizard. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. 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 I will never forget sitting in a theater with my son and I was just like, whoa, that is mind blowing. And I started thinking about, I think that I, I look at I, that as my life. The one chose the wizard, if you will. Yeah. I, I don't think I chose. I know. I know I did not choose this path. It came to me. Yeah. It yeah, chose yeah, yeah. me and it literally pursued me in some really significant ways. Um, and there's been some times through the years where I've, I've gotten out of it a little bit because you need a break and thinking, all right, I'm done with that. And then I, I get right back in. Because it's just something I, I would say that chose me. So it has become, it has been my career, uh, probably 90% of my adult <laughs> life. Uh, it has supported my family and, right, right, right. you know, and, and got us to where we are. And it's been a wild ride. I mean, it's, that's how I landed in New York City. Uh, that was like a, this is a fun story. It was sort of a fluke. Uh, a pastor friend of mine was in New York City for, a conference or something and uh he was sharing a cab with another pastor they started talking shop it's like oh i need a, a music person he throws my name out there and he's like hey you need to get christian redonda out and they're you know said some nice things which uh perpetuated a phone call from this dude in florida so we go to florida and we just weren't feeling the vibes okay and it's just like yeah i'm just not feeling this while we're in florida they were hosting this uh kid whose dad pastored in New York City and I'm talking to this kid about his dad in New York City and Rodana are like man that sounds like the kind of place we want to be <laughs> well what do you know the guy from Florida who we just didn't have the vibes with tells the kid's dad in New York City hey you should give these people wow and that's how that all began 
Wow. Yeah, from one person riding in a cab with another person. And it was just kind of crazy, but that's what took us to New York. And I just looked that as like God opened up doors in some significant ways. And I still say that was probably the some of the best three years of my entire life. We learned so much. It, it was a very significant learning experience and turning point for my whole family. And then that got us to Missouri, and we've been here ever since. That's incredible. It's funny how God works in small ways like that. Yeah, I mean, and I still to this day have no idea how in uh, 2001 uh, the the people here at the church I worked w- was hired at in Missouri got my information. I like think think of what the internet was way back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was like bad and. <laughs> I have no, I mean, we just kept getting these phone calls out of the blue and we kept calling different friends. Did you, did you connect me with, and and I had no concept of Missouri and I would, <laughs> I'm a coastal person. Yeah, so it's I'm a flyover like, state. Yeah, I'm like, um, I'm not checking that out. Well, these people just kept relentlessly pursuing me. <laughs> Finally, my wife said, just call them. You just never know. I'm like, well, all right. But like, what's in Missouri? I'm not going to go live in a a cornfield or something it's like that's just you know had this vision of a church in the middle of a cornfield so right. i was like Ew. then we got here and, and realized oh th- it's not so bad so yeah it's not so um, bad ironically two churches into my missouri experience i did work at a church that was in the middle of a cornfield <laughs> and i laughed about that all the time because i'm like all right god you have a sense of humor absolutely uh, because here i am yeah so, that's yeah. that's incredible so you've been a part of a church your practically your whole life. I mean, I uh, I have grown up in like I don't <laughs> remember not going to church. Okay. Ever. Um I just yeah, <laughs> even when you know, even when there was church drama, you know, growing up, we still went to church, you know, it's right. like uh my parents were very dedicated to God, not okay. necessarily people, but to God and they they put those values in me that, you know, we still serve God, that God is our source, even when people act like idiots. God is our source, mm-hmm. and he will deal with those people and maybe even teach us a lesson, too, because sometimes it's sometimes maybe we're the idiots. I don't know. But, you know, I, they, I'm forever grateful for my parents for giving me that strong faith foundation. And I think I saw enough things growing up that I know without a doubt, I experienced God moments as a kid, um, as a teenager, as an adult. Um, and they had nothing to do with being on a staff at a church. They had nothing to do with a pastor at a church or, or you know, anything. So it was, these are honest God moments in my life. And so I've, I think that's what's sustained me mm-hmm. and just kept me coming back. Because, um, I mean, I have been in some really incredibly goofy. Now let's not talk about like, Oh, church hurt situations. I've been in some downright goofy situations (laughs) that have been like, I've had friends who are like, I'm not sure that I believe you, but because I know this and this and this. And I, because the stories that my family and I have to tell it is, it is book worthy. Okay. Like, have you ever seen the righteous gemstones? I have not showtime. All right. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, uh, what's the word, uh, 
you know, backing that or saying everyone should watch it. Oh, yeah, endorsing it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, The brain is old. I'm not endorsing that show. So if you're listening, I'm not endorsing that show. But I watched it because it, you know, for some people, they would watch that and be unbelievably offended because they're like, oh, my gosh, this show is making fun of the church. My wife and I have watched that show and we laugh and we think, oh, my gosh, they are showing a true depiction not all churches, but of many okay. churches. And it's kind of sad and funny at the same time. But we've watched that show and like we can put like an episode together with like, oh, yeah, we lived that, you know, <laughs> we know that we've seen that. And it's really honestly sad. Mm. Um, but again, I'm not going to say all churches because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, not all churches are are goofy but um, we have we have lived through some really incredibly goofy situations to the point where you think, why do you keep going back? <laughs> because if, if you, you know, read the laundry list of things that we've been a part of, it, you would think that a, a non a church person would think well, that's the most bizarre, crazy thing ever. Mm-hmm. I just keep coming back to it's I, I know where my foundation is. Right. And and I just. It has nothing to do with people, has nothing to do with church politics. It's because I truly believe in God mm-hmm. and I have experienced God moments. I've read the Bible and I've experienced things that I've always looked at the Bible like, here's this really good roadmap. You don't have to go on the, you don't have to use this roadmap, but what's it going to hurt? Right. It, if you do, it's not like it's going to kill you. There are some really great things in Scripture, and I've always looked at Scripture as there's wisdom there, and I, I want to get as much out of that and apply it to my life as possible. Right. And anytime I do, anytime I trust God, anytime I block out the people and the, the goofiness and the silliness, that's when I'm more at peace. Um, and I guess that's why I keep coming back. It makes sense. Yeah. I was uh, taught real young, like uh when I started going to the youth group at 15, 16, that's when I, that was my first church experience was 15, 16 mm-hmm. to put my faith in Christ and not in people. Mm-hmm. And I've carried that with me forever because when you put your faith in people, people fail you regardless of who they are as much as you love them as much as they, you lo- you know, vice versa, people fail mm-hmm. because people are fallible. And when I, and I think that expression goes a long way of saying like people are going to fail you and hurt you and you can't let your faith be attached to that. It has to be Christ because Christ mm-hmm. will never fail. Christ will never let go and people will. And when we're talking about the brokenness of people, and especially when we need to talk about church, well, what is the church? It's just people, more broken people. It's not putting your faith in people, but in Christ. Mm-hmm. And carrying that with me has um, allowed me to look at things differently as fact is I've been hurt by the church. I've been hurt by people, but I haven't been hurt by Christ. Right. And, uh, you know, as much as I rail on the church and on all of the podcasts that I'm at on, uh, I still believe in the church. I do too. Right. You know, I, and when it comes to people, I think sometimes, and and it's easy to do, and I'm going to just talk about what I've been guilty of. Mm -hmm. Um, we give people too much power. We do. Um, I've been, you know, and it's taken me a long time to, you know, hopefully mature and <laughs> but just get to that place where, you know, I, I see it for what it is. 
uh, it's easy to get enamored by leadership. Um, but then the minute you do, uh, then you start having expectations Mm-hmm. that maybe you're just putting too much into that person. And so then they, when they have their human moments, then you're like, oh my gosh, I thought they were godly. Right. And and that's really not fair. No, it's now, not. Now, I think it's okay to have expectations of leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, fundamental expectations. Like, right. you know, if you were going to... Uh, and again, every church is different, but, you know, within the framework of that church's DNA, mm-hmm. you know, if you know, okay, this is, you know, church A's DNA, this is their framework, this is their theology. And so if that's the thing that they're, you know, hanging their hat on, then, okay, if you're a leader there, you need to work within that and represent that well. Mm-hmm. And so I think as long as you're doing that, great. But there's those human moments that are just going to happen. And that doesn't mean that you're going against the framework of your church's DNA. That doesn't mean that you're unbiblical. Right. Well, but we all, I guess, quote unquote, can act unbiblical, you right. know? And so that's where I say, well, thank God for grace. But sometimes we don't want to give it to our leaders. No. Because we're hurt and we're human too. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I guess I've just, I, I'm not trying to give people a, here's, here's, this is important. I don't give anyone a free pass for bad behavior. Right. Bad behavior is bad behavior. It, it needs to be called out and confronted. I don't want to go talk about you, but, but I just want to come to you and go, dude, that really sucked how you handled that. Right. You, you know, you off-putting in this situation and you hurt this person with your nasty attitude. So fix it. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's kind of where I'm at in life. It's like, I just, I don't excuse bad behavior and I will call it out. I've been called out for bad behavior and, <laughs> and it's okay. Yeah. I, I personally want to know if I'm behaving badly because I, in my heart, I don't want to act, you know, crappy to people. Right. Um, I have bad days and, you know, sometimes I am crappy. So, uh, <laughs> and I have people around me that will tell me, yo, don't do that. Yeah, right. You know, figure it out. It's not this person's fault or this person's fault, you know, and I'm a church leader. And, and so, again, you know, I do give grace for people having a bad day. I give grace for people who, you know, they stumble, they they have human moments. But just fundamental bad behavior, it's like there's no excuse for that. I mean, right. especially consistently. You know, I think if you can't get out of that and that's just who you are, maybe find a different profession. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I have encountered, sadly, people who work in churches who, honestly, I wonder, but do you like people? <laughs> because if you don't right. like people, don't do a job that requires compassion and care and going the extra mile and right. putting your arm around someone who's different than you and saying, I love you and, and let's work it out. If you don't like people... Don't please don't work for churches. <laughs> you know, it's like because it's all about people. You have to have a just a human, God-given love for people. Mm-hmm. So and sadly, that's something I've I've had bosses in churches that I, I would I honestly am not sure that they like people when you see them secluding themselves, not being social, and you know. Well, what's that about? Right, right. Why, why are you here? <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Jesus didn't, you know, now there's times where we all need a respite, you know, that we all need to get away. But mm-hmm. fundamentally, if you're going to lead people, I hope you like them. I hope you love them. Right. You're supposed to love them. 
It, yeah. it turns out it's one of the greatest commandments to love other people. 100%. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm an introvert, and being around people for an extended amount of time gets me crazy. But I also know I can take rest and still love people. Well, I mean, you know, I give introverts a pass. I mean, I know there's a lot of great church leaders that are introverts. Right. I've heard but this. Just because you're an introvert doesn't mean that you have to act crusty right. with people. Right. You know, I, I, I have... I have a lot of friends who are definitely not me, and <laughs> I'm just like ah, all out there. But no, I have a, I have many friends who are opposite of me, and we get along famously, right? Because I respect, you know, I don't take their introvert characteristics, and I'm not offended by that, right? I respect that. Oh, they just need their space. Mm-hmm. You know, I um, I have a really good friend who worked with me at one of the churches here in St. Louis. For a long time, we're still wonderful friends to this day, but I recognized right away he's an introvert. Right. But one of the most talented and creative people I've ever met. And I remember telling another leader, they're like, well, what do we do with him? It's like, well, we just let him do his thing. Leave him alone. Mm -hmm. Lock him in that studio and let him make beautiful music. (laughs) Right, right, We don't need him to be bubbly. We need him to do this, you know. And that's what makes him bubbly is when he gets to be alone and that's what fills him up, you know. And so, right. but then when he's around people, you know, he's not a douche. <laughs> oh, am I allowed to say that? Yeah, you are. I just did. So, <laughs> just but yeah. So, but you know, again, I think we just have to allow people to be at their core who they are. Right. You know, if you're an introvert, great. I, I can work with you. I respect that. I'm going to learn how to navigate that. If you're, you know, Sally Sanguin, you know, which... It's funny that people are, oh, you're so, I, I am not, I mean, I come off that way, but I have a lot of introvert really? in me. Okay. I, I need alone space. Okay. You know, I, there's times where it's like, I just, I can't, I don't have it in me right, to be right, around right. people all the time. And so I do have some friends that are like extra on the sanguine mm-hmm. scale. And I'm just like, I have to monitor, all right, I'm going to be around you for this long <laughs> at this time. Cause you are great. You are fun, but I, not even me as like, I just. That's exhausting. Yeah, you yeah. get tired. Yeah. And uh, so I'm, I'm somewhere, people fuel me, of course. I love people, but it's, right. you know, not, I don't know. I'm somewhere in the middle. But <laughs> makes sense. But yeah, I mean, I, I would say, though, that I love all the personality types that are out there. And, um, you know, I think, again, as leaders in church, we have to figure that out. Right. Not everyone's like us. And how do you use this beautiful mosaic of personalities and gifts and talents? And how can we all come to the table? and respect each other. Right. You know, you might come to me and say, you know, well, this is what I feel about this thing that I just, you know, I've been raised that that's sinful and like, Oh, what am I, what am I, you know, we have to figure things like that out. We have to let people have their own minds (laughs) and own gifts and own personalities instead of trying to mold people into a cookie cutter. Yeah. Which I think a lot of churches are guilty of is you have to be a certain way. You have to do a certain thing. You have to follow our script or else please leave. Well, I would say um, to, again, some churches from my experience, I think that's a learned behavior. Mm -hmm. I I really do. I think, and I think it comes from a place, uh, an innocent place. You know, I don't think, I I hope, and again, this is me just being, you know, know, really mercy filled. Like, but I don't, I'd like to think that, you know, Leaders don't start off going, yeah, I've got this plan and I'm going to dominate and I'm going to control and I'm going to make everybody do this and fit into it. I don't think it gets that way. Um, but I do think as leaders, sometimes we get uh, comfortable with a certain thing and it's hard for us 
to break out of that because it's like, but this is what I know that works. And this is, you know, and then I think maybe even some of it's fear. Um, but I, I, I have seen uh, a lot of those kinds of behaviors. They're, they're just learned because you see someone who's successful. Right, right, And right. then when you're young, you think, well, that's, that's what success looks like. Mm-hmm. And so then now you find yourself working in a church situation, maybe in that certain mold. You know, and there's a lot of people, I mean, let's face it, they, they only, they have very narrow experiences with certain types of churches. And so in their mind, that's just the way it should be. Right. But really, it, it, there's not a, I mean, again, it goes back to as church leadership in a church body, you decide what the framework and DNA of your church is going to be right. and then do it that yeah. way. And if, you know, there's people that that's going to fit and there's people it's not going to fit, mm-hmm. but then there's another church with great framework. That's their thing. You know, so I, that's why I love, you know, all different kinds of churches, but right. you know, I'm, I'm not the guy that, you know, goes around saying, Oh, that one's wrong. And that one's right. It's like, I, that's not my job. Nor should it be. Yeah. So, yeah. Because it turns out the Holy Spirit has all made us different and or God has made us all different and the Holy Spirit has given us different gifts and we're all supposed to be different. And it really bums me out when uh, some churches, at least, you have to be a certain way and you have to do a certain thing. And it's like, well, what about the Holy Spirit? Uh, you know? Yeah. I, <laughs> and you just touched on something that I struggle with. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do struggle with uh, those boundaries mm-hmm. that are put on people. Um, I think we have to let some things develop within one's heart. Yeah. And, I, and I think if, if I'm really passionate about something, if I believe wholeheartedly and I, and I'm trying to, and I want you to be a part of this thing that I believe in, I, I don't believe I should have to m- make you or force you. Right. Hopefully I'm, projecting in a way that makes you want to be like me. Does that make sense? Yeah. That, that if I'm doing this right, it, and I believe so much, this is just how I believe God wants it. You should be seeing good fruit in my life. You should be seeing positive, happy attitudes in my life. You should be, you know, vibing and going, man, that that's really cool. I, I think I want to be like that or I want something, you know. It should never be where I say, Tim, this is how you have to do it. Right. You know, and I think sometimes leadership in churches struggle mm-hmm. with letting people just develop right. and morph. Mm-hmm. Because really, you know, on the flip side, that is much harder <laughs> right. to wrangle. And, you know, but again, uh, every church has their own way they do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even know that I fit into most <laughs> churches because, <laughs> like, you know, it's like, so I, I've accepted that a long time ago. I just... You know, I, I try to flourish where I'm at. You know? Right, right, right. And and I, you know, there's things that I, I won't agree with. And, you know, but I always have to look at like, well, is that worth, you know, throwing a, you know, a tantrum over and like, well, I'm out the door. And most of the time it's just not, you know. Right. I, I, uh, I'm pretty tolerant, <laughs> you know. I, right, I, right. I want it. There's certain things I look for in churches and. Um, and if I see, you know, like, man, they're doing really good things in their community. I know for a fact they're, they're helping people tangibly mm-hmm. um, and not just we're trying to fill up the auditorium, you know, not, you know, just I enjoy things like that. And, and that, that will make me a little more tolerable because, again, I remind myself, well, they're human mm-hmm. and uh, they're 
we're all going to do things differently and I got to give them room to do things differently. And right. You know, again, and I, I have, I have that, that line where when I finally feel like, all right, I'm at the line. Is it time for me to go? Cause the last thing I want to do, especially being a leader in a church, um, I want to do the thing that I teach other people to do and that's leave well. Right. As, as best as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get to that place where you just don't see eye to eye and you just don't feel like I'm not a fit here, just call it out for what it is, but leave well, leave mm-hmm. respectfully. Um, let God fight your battles. Right. Um, and I, cause I really believe he will. And I, and I think with time and space, uh, we have revelations in our, our minds, other people, you know, and I've seen a lot of beautiful reconciliation happen. Um, so, you know, I, but I, sometimes that's hard because you, you, I'm a justice seeker. <laughs> I, oh, I struggle with that. Cause you know, I'm always like, you know, let's, you know, <laughs> right. I'm going to march, you know, but it's like, I, I want justice. And when I see people, it, it pains me to my core when I see people being treated badly. Right. Um, you know, but I've had to back off cause I, I'm not someone's salvation. Only God is, but I, but I do again, Back to what I said before, I call it bad behavior. I do. I, if I see someone treated badly, you might not like me, but there have been moments where I know it's like, well, my wife will say, well, what if you get fired for calling that out? What if you, what if, then I'm like, then I do. Right. Because I'm, when I see something that I believe in, um, you know, I have, I have to follow my gut. And when it comes to people being treated badly or in any kind of way, I, I just, I can't handle that right. because I believe we can do better. We can. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I've seen so many times where there are things in churches that go badly and it's not a matter of discipline. Now there are, and, and you'll, you've been on a church staff, so there are things as staff members you do mm-hmm. that you should be disciplined over. Absolutely. When, when, you know, we all can read, so we read the, you know, you know what I'm saying? We read the manual. Here's what's allowed at the church. Uh-huh. Um, it is a church, first of all, so you kind of understand that, well, if I'm going into a religious organization, there is a certain code of conduct that I must follow, you know? Right. And with that, there are protocols. That, and as much as I would like to think that, well, that should be obvious, it's still not. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those are things you, you have to there's some things you give up, you know, certain freedoms because it's like, I want to represent this church well. Right. But no one's forcing us to do that. You know what I mean? So that's where, so there are times where I've seen that discipline is, you know, it's like, man, you, you shouldn't have done that thing because not only does that go against how we teach scripture, mm-hmm. but it also goes against, um, you know, a, a rule or I hate the word rule, but you know, a protocol of the church. Right. You know, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't have put that thing on Facebook because now that looks like, you know, the church condones that thing. And, you know, I've just, there are things that require discipline. Right. No doubt. And people should be accountable for that. Right. But then there are also things that I've seen people leave a church staff over that weren't really a discipline thing. It was just, I, I think the leadership ran out of gas on trying to have understanding. And that's sad to me when we can't come to understanding and, and then there's the feelings, you know, mm-hmm. because it's like, but what did I do? You know, I, I've talked to these people and they're like, I'm, I'm not sure what I did wrong, but I know I offended this person or, you know, and, and then I've seen the other side from leadership where it's like, well, we, you know, I, we don't know what to do. <laughs> right. 
I've heard that so many times. I just don't know what to do with that person. We'll figure it out. I've had people <laughs> say that about me. I don't know what to do with you, Chris. Well, geez, thanks. That's <laughs> thanks. affirming, you know? Right. Um, and yeah, sometimes there are times when we're at a loss, but I think, I, I, I think the win is to keep trying. Right. I think the win is to, how can we have understanding? Um, one situation most recently, I said to a leader, isn't it enough that these people love Jesus with all their heart mm-hmm. and want to lead people to Christ mm-hmm. and want to give their gifts and talents to the church with, with so much passion? And the leader looked at me and said, no, it's not enough. I, I need them to, to agree on this certain theology. Ugh. And that really broke my heart. Yeah, yeah. Because cause of how things were handled, well, you, you've just lost the opportunity to mentor and to teach. May, maybe, you know, these staff members could have come around. Maybe the leader could have learned. Mm-hmm. But, but we got scared mm-hmm. because it's yep. like, oh, we heard this thing. And now two people told two people. Now there's a small group of people and they're like, ah, you know, kill the beast. You know, Beauty and the Beast. Remember that whole scene? <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you're Disney people, it, anyway, so there's that scene though, where, where, where the townspeople have their torches mm-hmm. and their forks. axes and they're, you know, they're singing that song, kill the beast, you know, and yeah. they're yep. sometimes that's how I envision leadership at churches. I could see that. And they're like, we've got to snuff out that thing. Yep. And because in their eyes, it looks like a beast. Mm-hmm. You know, but really that person deep inside is a, you know, just now I'm using beauty and the beast as a spiritual <laughs> analogy. Love it. But we Love all it. know the story that, that when, you know, the character Bell saw beneath that, then there was that whole magic thing that happens at the end. And he turns into, you know, this lovely person. Right. He was that person all the time. Mm -hmm. He just needed someone to, you know, look through the roughness, you know, and not be scared. And I think sometimes leaders are scared, especially when someone is different Mm -hmm. and might think a little bit outside the framework. And I always come back to, but isn't it enough that they love Jesus? They believe he died for our sins and rose on the third day. Right. I mean, you know, the, the, this these core fundamentals of Christianity. Right, right, right. And for someone to say that's not enough, I, I will, and I, the person who said that, I, I love dearly. Right, right, right. Um, and I did give my two cents on like what? Because <laughs> yeah. that just doesn't make sense. But I, but again, I think it comes from fear. It comes from but this is how I've grown up so it should be this way and this is how we've always done it yeah we've always done it this way but the, the most influential leaders in my life that i trust that's what they say mm-hmm. you know now i've got these you know 20 somethings that are coming around and they've got different thoughts like ooh, you know we shouldn't be threatened because someone has a different thought i think as long as they're still willing to come to the table right and be open-minded mm-hmm and talk through it and learn and grow. Now, through that learning and growing, the decision still might be the same later on. Right. It still might be, you know what? We're just not a good fit. 
But I guarantee that if people can learn to do that and just come to those things organically, it won't be a church hurt situation. Mm -hmm. It'll Mm -hmm. be a situation where it's like, man, thank you for letting me go through the process. But I think we just probably need to, you know, you do your thing and I respect that. I'm going to do my thing. Right. But instead, I've watched people just be afraid and feel threatened and uh, and then sever relationships and they just end badly. And then, you know, the people who got severed, you know, they they walk away just like, I don't understand. Right, because in their mind, they were doing the right thing. Yeah. They were serving Christ. They, they were, you know, and they just, they had a thought. They had an opinion. And and again, many times, these are people that I think if we went the distance, they would learn and grow and show respect. Now, there's some people that you just can't work with. Right. You know, and it's okay to call that out. I don't, you know, I don't think our chemistry is good. You know, you are way, way, way off the framework, and I don't think you're ever going to get into the framework. Right. You know, and that's okay. And, and I will say this. I don't disrespect churches for having their own framework and having their own path. Mm-hmm. What makes me angry is when they're deceptive of onboarding people. <laughs> When it's all about just bringing people in. You know, you, you get in and you, you see it one way, but then now you're, you've signed on the deadline and I'm in, you know, I got to, you know, I'm, I'm on staff. And then you start to realize, oh, that's what this is. That, I just don't, that's just not cool to me. I, I really wish that churches could do a better job at just being very forward with this is our framework and Mm -hmm. you don't have to apologize for it if that's who you feel god's called you to be right i don't have to like it but i don't have to go there either you know but there are a couple situations that i've been in that if i really knew what was behind the curtain and i could see the framework clearly i might have made a different decision Mm -hmm. i don't know but um i just think that we need to be all right right and if there's, you know, I mean, and even down to like, yeah, there's a certain per- people group. We just don't like those people here. We love them, but we don't like them. We don't want you here. There's not a place for you here. Because sometimes that's what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some people in some churches where there just will never be a place for you. Yeah. And that's that church's prerogative, mm-hmm. but they just need to say it up front. <laughs> right. So if you fit into a certain category, you just know, yeah, that's, you know, but I think church leadership struggles with that kind of honesty because, you know, we want to say, oh, we love everybody. There's a place for everybody. But the truth that you know and I know, there's not. No. There's just not. Yeah, I can get on board with that. And thinking of even the private sector, there's work cultures that I'm not going to vibe with. Yeah. Mm. I mean, and that's how I see churches. I mean, when you when you go to Amazon and you work for Amazon, you drink the Amazon Kool-Aid, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> and you have the Amazon IV running through your body, you know. You you follow Amazon protocols, Amazon rules. You do it the way Amazon does it. Mm-hmm. And no one's forcing you to be there. So when you go and you sign on that dotted line, it's like, this is what I want to be. You're being Amazon. When you work for Chick-fil-A, you better love saying my pleasure. <laughs> All the time. All the time. And you better like chicken. Yeah. And if, if, that, if you don't like chicken and you think my pleasure is really dorky, don't go to work there. Right. But, you know, places like Amazon, places like Chick-fil-A, you know, that have strong culture, they're unapologetic for their culture. Right. And they're unapologetic to say that, but if you don't fit this, then you don't fit in. And I think churches should learn from that. Yeah. We're, we're afraid to say this is our culture. This is the framework we've chosen. And it's okay not to fit in here. Yeah. Uh, for I think of the word transparency, like why aren't churches just more transparent? 
I, I think it goes back to that fear thing. Like we're afraid to be honest and transparent with our framework or our culture because mm-hmm. we want to be all inclusive. We want to have everyone in because my cynical nature goes, well, it's all about the numbers more numbers equals more money, more power, all of that. That's my cynical side. Mm-hmm. I think there's also a good side of that, bringing in more people. That's more lives yeah. to Christ and all mm-hmm. of that. But nine times out of ten, at least my experience, is always about that almighty dollar. You know, and I, um, I've reconciled that. Mm-hmm. I see both sides. Mm-hmm. And so for some people, there are certain kinds of churches that are just, yeah, you shouldn't go there. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's going to be heavy on the giving and heavy on the money. Right, um, right, right. I guess I, at the end of the day, they've got to be accountable to God, not to me. Right. So, you know, I just, I'm not going to be, you know, if I see things that I, I just believe, like, man, that just totally goes against scriptural truth. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, they're doing something I don't see anywhere in the Bible. Then I think feel like, yeah, I'll tell people, I, you know, that's not, uh, they're kind of off on some theology there. I think that's okay to call out, but absolutely, you know, I'm not going to throw stones, but, but I don't know. I, I, I think with money and the church, that's such a touchy subject, but it so is. I, I, I always look at, you know, what are you doing with that money? Absolutely agree. Who, where's that money going? Mm-hmm. Who's that money serving? Um, you know, it, are things balanced? I don't, I don't, I don't have a problem with church staff members making a good income. You know, if if the income fits the job you're doing and the job you're doing has productivity, you should be rewarded. I don't believe that, you know, just because you're on church staff, you need to be poor. <laughs> you know, right. I, I, I think, you know, on one side, you know, we have a responsibility as God blesses us. We need to bless the people that are working hard right, for us, mm-hmm. you know, and make sure that they make a good living. Mm-hmm. You know? Again, in balance, I don't disrespect churches for being beautiful and nice. That's fine. Totally. You know, uh, I don't disrespect, you know, the senior pastor having nice things. And I, he does, you know, if he's doing a good job, he deserves it. You know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've never, I've never looked at things like that and went, oh my gosh, I can't believe he drives that kind of car. <laughs> my thing is like, so what? You know, it, as long as he didn't steal it or pay for it with tithe money, then I think <laughs> we're okay. You know, it, it, right. maybe he's good with his budget. Maybe his wife has a kick butt job. I don't, you don't know. People, you know, I'm just learned not to be judgy. And I just look at, well, what are the fruits? You know, if I see good fruit and I see things where people are really being ministered to money, going to missions work, you know, people building water wells in places, building orphanages, other churches. Um, the church I attend gives, and supports heavily into organizations in St. Louis. That's awesome. Probably more so than we do overseas missions, which we give to overseas missions. We have mission teams that do work, but we do more stuff for St. Louis. And, and I love that. Right. And, um, so again, those are things that I see. We, uh, we're stocked with the food pantry cause you know, there's homeless people. And, you know, we've, we've got people that come in and make the bags up every week. And, um, you know, we, we've got policies on, you know, we're not just going to give people money, but we'll give you food. We'll give you a gas card. So, you know, we don't want to see anybody go hungry or go without, you know, gas to get around to work or whatever. Right. So, I mean, I, I, I've appreciated some of the things, you know, that I've seen in my church, you know, my, you know, when I work at the mega church, you know, <laughs> again, same thing. There, there's some great things they did to support people overseas, uh, to support other pastors mm-hmm. in smaller churches. I thought that was super cool. Um, so, you know, again, I, I look at how, how is that money going out 
you know. Um, and I just appre appreciated uh, how money was spent, how people paid attention to budgets. and Right, right, you right. Know. So again, it, but then again, there's places where it's like, man, that's, I, I literally worked for a church where money came in for a cause. Mm -hmm. And um, within a year, they had hired, quote unquote, direct, well, you got to have some directors and you got to have a staff. Uh -huh. And mm -hmm. these people were living in really expensive condos <laughs> and uh. houses and and you just saw this opulence happening, and I'm like, wait. And then, and then some friends of mine who were actually working in the cause, mm -hmm. they were they were getting denied resources and to give to the people that the cause was for. Ugh, but so hey, sad. the directors are making you know six figures and have. And I'm like, oh yeah, and that's in the name of Jesus? Seriously? Seriously? Yeah, my wife and I, you know. It was like, check, please. You know, those are the things when I see happening and that's like, I, that's, that's bad. <laughs> that is very bad. You know, I don't want to be a part of that. Yeah, absolutely. Because that gives, um, the opposition ammunition. Yeah. A lot of people I talked to said, that's why I don't believe in God. It, you know, it, it's, that breaks my heart, you know? It, yeah. Because, it, you know, now, now people are connecting God and money Mm -hmm. And again, and, and again, you can't unsee what you've seen. Nope. And it is a deal breaker for some people. But I'm, I'm sad that it comes to a place where they feel like they got to break up with Jesus over that. Yep. You know, because that's just a leader behaving badly. Right, right, right. And not being a good steward of what God has given them. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's never a good day. No. You know, especially people, you know, that are giving faithfully and maybe shouldn't even be giving because they've got <laughs> other things they should be supporting in their home. But I mean, people give out of their heart mm -hmm. and that's your hard earned money. And so you're trusting that the people you're giving this to is going to do the right thing with that money. And then when you see these things that are like cringy, it's just like, I can see where someone young and God would just say this all fake. Mm-hmm. Kind of goes back to that whole righteous gemstones thing that we were, it's like <laughs> you see a lot of that being portrayed and it's like, yeah, that, that sadly that's, I've been there. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's sad to say when you go to someone like that and go, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I see that and it sucks. And then the next question is, well, then how can you work there? How can, <laughs> you know, and it, it does, it opens up the door for some good conversations and, I, you know, it, again, like I said, when, when my wife and I get to that place where it's like, yeah, I, the scale is tipped too far. Mm. We just, I just go. You just go. Yeah. I don't. And again, I've, I've, um, I am, here's what I can, I can say really honestly, and I'm trying to think about this to make sure that I'm not <laughs> Choose <a> your words. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that with every, uh, senior pastor, I've worked for if I were either really good friends still mm -hmm. or if I ran in them, ran into them in town, I wouldn't have to duck and hide, you know, I could, right. you know, go up to them and say, Hey, how are you? Nice to see you. You know, it, because I know that when I've, when we've exited, I've, I've done the things that I've mentored other people to do leave. Well, you mm -hmm. know, it, 
don't leave when thing you know when you can, again every situation is different so i always say when you can you know right try to leave when things are good don't leave when you know it's everything's in the toilet and this is bad and i'm just out of here do your best to get it out of the toilet it takes a little extra work um but it's i think it's worth it because then you can say I did my best. I did a good job. I didn't leave them in arrears with anything. I left them staff, left them resources, resourced. And, you know, even though I'm hurting, I kind of have an okay attitude now. So that's probably a good time to step off. Um, because it, working through that stuff, it can damage you for years. Yeah, it can. And, and I don't, you know, and I've gone through some things where I've, you know, my wife and I both, and my children, there has been some things that I would say, that's caused damage and it would have been much worse had I got down in there in the toilet with it mm-hmm. or not tried to make it, you know, because then you got to remember just because I might be mad at that one person or that one leader that's done me wrong. I've still got a group of people that I'm leading mm-hmm. and they're watching me and it's no, you know, uh, trophy to say, yeah, you know, I left and took 30 people with me. You know, that's never good. That's not my job to take 30 people. You know, now if I plant myself somewhere, you know, and on down the road and this happened to me at, you know, our mega church, we had some, (laughs) we had friends that slowly came over and cause even really close friends, we just didn't let them into the junk. We tried to protect them from the junk because we didn't want their hearts to be jaded and we didn't want them to, we didn't want our issues to be their issues. Okay. That makes sense. You know, I say that all the time. I know I'm going through something, but these are not, if that's not your experience, don't, don't take that on for me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we had some friends, you know, within several months, they're like, oh, our eyes are being open to some things. I wonder if that's why Chris and Redon are not here. <laughs> you know, and then they would come and talk to us and they're like, why didn't you tell us? And we were like, well, you know, it, it was something affected that really wasn't our place to tell you. You know, now if I saw something that was just horribly damaging, that's different. You know, I'm not gonna, you know, like like well, we're gonna leave and you just stay here and go down with the ship. You know, <laughs> but that's not. But you know, I I think you have to let everyone have their own experience. Sometimes that's hard because you know you have friends and you know you want to talk about it and you know just over and it's just it's not good. You have we have a core group of friends that you know we can spill our guts to or whatever, but just want to leave it at that and mm-hmm. pray about it. Give it to God. Um, my daughter went through a situation. Right. And it was so hard for me to watch, mm-hmm. uh, because when, uh, we, you know, we worked on a staff together and I remember leaving and thinking, I've got to be really careful how I do this because my situation's not my daughter's situation. Mm. And even to the point of really encouraging her, no, you, you stay the course, you tow your, you know, you plow your own field. And just because these things were mine doesn't mean that that's going to happen to you. Right. And we fully supported her. Um, and there were moments where that was harder, you know, to do, uh, but we just, we did it, you know, and we prayed like crazy. It's like, God, please let her experience be different. Um, and, you know, um, sadly, there were some things that happened, you know, later on where, and even in the midst of when kind of things were coming down, I still remember looking at her going, yeah, but I, I, I trust that leadership. I know they're going to have your back, you know? Right. 
and in my heart, I'm thinking, God, please let them have their back. Cause I know some people didn't have my back, you know, but it's like, I just try to let that situation be its own just because it happened to me, you know, and in, in all fairness, there, there are things, you know, I'm not going to blame everything on everybody else. I have responsibility in things too. Right. You know, I, I, you know, look back and think, Oh yeah, there's some times I didn't listen to some good advice. I didn't listen to some wisdom. Um, I didn't, um, follow the process because I got, I got afraid, you know? Right. So there's things that, you know, I can admit, yeah, I set some things in motion for myself because I got afraid and I got emotional, you know, I've learned from that, you know, thank God, you know, but it's like, so again, I'm looking at my daughter thinking, but she's not doing some of the things I did. So I know, you know, yet there were still some similarities and, um, kind of sucked because, you know, I, I just really wanted to believe it could be different and it wasn't. Um, on the flip side, the positive thing is she has made a, well, actually the people who were involved with that, she have made amends with her, have approached her and come back and said, Hey, we're sorry. And, and so I, I have respect for that Yeah. When, when you can, um, say sorry and say, I didn't handle that. Well, mm-hmm. I probably should have did this differently or I didn't know the whole story and I made a judgment. You know, and I'm proud of my daughter because I know it, it hurt her in some huge ways. And, you know, watching your child walk through some things like that, mm-hmm. it sucks because, you know, do it to me, but don't do it to my kids. Right. You know, I'm fiercely protective of my children. And, you know, that that was tough, but I'm proud of how she responded. I'm proud of how she processed and and just bounced back. And I'm proud that she didn't break up with Jesus over it because she, you know, as my parents raised me, I've tried to raise my kids the same way that, you know, you've got to just push people out of that and you let your relationship with God be your relationship with God. And that's what guides you. And so I, have watched, you know, Julie go on to do some really great things, stayed active in the church, went back on another church staff. And, you know, it's just been incredible to see her journey. And now she's living in Atlanta with her husband and (laughs) she's had, um, uh, a door outside of the church open to her. That's just like a killer job. And what's really cool is that her church experience that she's had has really set her up well for this job. That's and awesome. one of her supervisors even called that out because the supervisor has a husband on a church staff and said, yeah, just you have the right kind of skills. We know, you know what it's like being on a church staff and you're, you're perfect for this. That's awesome. Yeah. So again, you know, it, I, She's good with God. She's good with people. And, and she's 100% on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. You know, but again, you're dealing with someone who is, has been raised, just like me. She, you know, she's always been in church. She's been raised in that. Um, but we tried our best to, you know, keep it real with her. Not excuse bad behavior. Right. And, you know, when something is bad, we say, yep, that's bad. But we always bring it back to, but that's not who God is. You know, we we don't always get it right living out God's word. Kind of like what I said earlier, if you, there's wisdom there. And if you just do what it says, (laughs) you really can't go wrong. And yet the Bible also gives us freedom to not do what it says. (laughs) And then we figure some things out on our own, you know, it's like, so that's what I love about the Bible and about faith is there is freedom. Absolutely. To, to, you know, free will to interpret, to live out, to act out, to accept or deny that freedom's there. There's nothing in the Bible that says you have to do this. Right. 
there it has a framework that says if you want to experience certain things with God, this is the framework. But you know, I don't know, everybody makes their choices. <laughs> it's true. Sometimes the bad ones, unfortunately. Yeah, you know. But again, you know, it's how do you navigate out of a bad choice? Do you quit? Do you blame God? Do you blame other people? You know, it it really takes a lot of work. I mean, it I, I'm I will forever be working on that. You know, I, I don't forever. I I don't want to stop working on myself. I don't want to stop growing. I, I don't want to ever get to a place where I say, Well, Tim, you know, I've been I've there, arrived. done that, bought the t shirt, and I can make that t shirt. You know, it's like because <laughs> I can't. Right. I, I can give input, you know, but I'm not God. I will I will never be to the point where you know, hopefully with every experience I go through, I will mature. Hopefully mm-hmm. I will not, you know, as I don't even know if this is a phrase anymore, but Julie taught it to me, so I'll just blame it on her. Hopefully, I'm not I'll, I'm not perpetually butthurt, you know. <laughs> like, you know, you just have to be mature sometimes, and right, and just move on. Yeah, I I think yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Um, because I, you know, like I said earlier, I've been hurt by the church, and I could just sit there and wallow in my hurt, or I could move on and learn from it mm-hmm. and do something about it. Uh, I happened to start a podcast because of hurts and stuff. And, it, you know, whatever direction that leads me and whatever God does with that is in, just incredible. Um, I'm also reminded of a story, and I, I think I've told it on the podcast, but I don't know if I told it to you specifically. Um, it goes back to that um, where a church died on the hill of theology versus what I was doing mm-hmm. in ministry. And I'll just say it. Uh, so when I got into being a pastor right after college, I went to a Baptist college. Mm-hmm. I was a part of a Assemblies of God church. Mm-hmm. So that was a big conflict already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they wanted me to take an Assemblies of God uh, classes and their headquarters in the Northern District. So I had to go to their like two and a half hours away to take some classes at the end of the class, they interviewed me to be a licensed pastor. Mm-hmm. And their question was, do you believe that speaking in tongues is the only edification of being baptized in the Holy Spirit? I don't believe that to be the case. I gave my reasoning. They called me a heretic and told me to leave. They then wrote a letter to my pastor at the time. Uh, this kid doesn't know what he's talking about. What is he doing? Get him off teaching. So the pastor brings me, and I give all credit to this pastor. He gives me... Uh, just ask me, what is going on? What do you believe? Because they're telling me this. I have to trust you because you're teaching scripture mm-hmm. to other people. So what do you believe? So I wrote like a two-page document of where I'm pulling this from. Well, Saul was encompassed with the Holy Spirit and said he prophesied. Didn't say he spoke in tongues. Mm-hmm. And all of that other, like a whole bunch of other scripture references. And pastor was like, well, I agree with you. Let's try to work with this. While I was burned by the AG, I wasn't burned by that church. Right. And uh, and it's funny to just talk that out because mm-hmm. uh, it would have been really easy for that pastor to go, get out. You're fired. This is what these people said. Get out. You're a heretic. You're, you don't know your theology at all. Instead, he took the time to actually have a conversation with me and to hammer that out. And to take the more abrupt approach to go, I'm going against my my boss, basically, because this is what I believe in. Uh, so there is instances like that where uh, conversations do happen. Yeah. 
and, and it's beautiful and it's incredibly beautiful. What, what you just described, what could have been the situation I was talking about earlier with my friends. Right, right, right. It could have been that, but it wasn't. <laughs> Unfortunately. It, yeah, and, and uh, you know, denominations, <laughs> you know, it, it is what it is. Again, they have their framework. Mm-hmm. And um, I come from a Pentecostal background. Uh-huh. So when every, your story that you just told, I'm like, yep, I believe you. <laughs> I believe that happened. I, you know, my wife was raised um, in an Assemblies of God home. Her dad was an Assemblies of God pastor. Her grandpa was an Assemblies of God pastor. Her uh-huh. you know, uncles and, you know, all through the Johnson lineage, it's Assemblies of God pastors, <laughs> you know. And so I remember the first time Radon and I stepped out of the Assemblies of God and went to a non-denominational church. Wow. I thought my father-in-law was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> and then came the questions. You know, it's like, again, when you were raised a certain way, when you know mm-hmm. one way, it's hard to look outside that. And again, I have no disrespect of the Assemblies of God or, uh, you know, other denominations. I, I may not agree with certain things, right? but I always like, well, are they reaching people for Jesus? You know, are, are they feeding the hungry? Are they clothing the poor? Are they, you know, doing missionary work? And I know for a fact, the Assemblies of God has a phenomenal missions program. They do. And they, you know, they, they're passionate about Jesus, mm-hmm. um, you know, and again, it's an organization that is ran by people. Their bylaws and doctrines were put together by people. You know, the, these things with like, you know, speaking in tongues or women in ministry. Oh, my gosh. You know, <laughs> ah, you know, these are things that just it's sad that they divide the church. And there are, there are these little things that you if you're going to be on leadership in some churches, you do have to say, yeah, I like I worked for a church um, that I'm certain had I gave that response that you gave where I said, you know, I don't believe that that's the only way to be filled with the spirit. I would have probably been fired. Yep. You know, and I know for a fact there were there were some things that I did not agree with in their framework. But Radon and I were like, you know what? We were OK. It's not anything like they're saying you know there's there's jesus one and jesus two you know i mean there it was any again they i respected that they had their thing i was able to work there you know as long as i did and uh you know i wasn't up there teaching i'm a music guy so (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna go teach that you know so there's ways where you realize well can i again it's that scale is the skill gonna tip or is you know we all have our, our tipping point but i i really wish we could come to a place as church leadership and not put theology over people. Yeah. I, I just believe, and I see that more prominent in denominational churches. I agree. Um, and by that, I'm, and I'm talking small things, but in the minds of the leadership, no, those are big things, but no, I, they're small really. You know, you weren't saying you didn't believe and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Or speaking in tongues, for yeah, that matter. Y- you are affirming that. You're just saying, but I don't see it as strictly as you do. Right. And so this is the funny thing to me about, you know, the Assemblies of God, the Baptists, the Methodists, the Presbyterians, you know, and so on. They all have their one thing. Mm-hmm. That's their litmus test. <laughs> 
Yep. So who's right? <laughs> you know, it's like, wait, so then are these people going to hell or are these people <laughs> going to hell? Are the Pentecostals going to hell or are the Baptists going to hell? I don't know. You know, but because they all have that thing where we don't believe in this or we believe in this. Or, I mean, it's, you know, and it's these little, we're splitting hairs and it's, for, for some of these denominations, it's really difficult for them to let someone in to the inner circle that might think a little bit outside that. Right. Instead of having the conversation and saying, well, let's work and let's learn. I, I just, that will always blow me away about denominations or about any church that, that gets hung up on that. Because I just come back to, but again, in the framework of Christianity, if you're going to say you're a Christian church, then you, there are certain things you must believe. Yeah. You know, it's, there is a God. You know, there is a Holy Spirit. There's the Son of God. There, the Son of God died for my sins. Mm-hmm. He was buried. He rose on the third day. And because of that, I have salvation. You know, for right. God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him will have everlasting life. Certain foundational things of saying I am a Christian and being a Christian church. But anything beyond those fundamental things, I think, is open for interpretation. Because obviously, multiple denominations have their own interpretation, and I really believe they're going to heaven, too. Yeah. You know, yeah. the ones who don't like women, you know, I think God's going to have a few things to say to them. <laughs> you know, then the, then there's, you know, the, then there's the ones who, oh, you don't like the gays. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, you know. But, you know, then there's the ones that, you know, oh, we, we do it this way or we do it that way. It's going to be amazing when we're in heaven one day. And, um see who all's there. Yeah. Um, but I just, again, you know, I try to line myself up, you know, and not be critical of the people I don't want to line myself up with. Cause scripture is clear. We work out our own salvation. Mm-hmm. It is not up to me to tell you how to have a relationship with Jesus. Right. You get to work. You know, that's one of those freedoms the Bible gives us that I love. It's up to me. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to work it out for me and keep my eyes off you. <laughs> How about let's just start there. Right. Now, as a leader, there are certain things, you know, I do have to lead people in. But again, when it comes to core values of salvation and, you know, that's, you know, I have to make sure that, you know, if you're in a group that I'm leading, you're staying within the framework that you're supposed to. You're following the protocols you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm not going to get in your, your spiritual business. Because it's not my business; it's yours, right? So, and I and I just think that that's where that's where the tension comes in. Um, one of my pastors uh, that you will know exactly who I'm talking about used to always talk about living in the tension. Yep. And yep. I appreciated that because it's so true. Um, it's one of the toughest things to do um, to be in that tense spot, and uh, you know because it's easier just to say I'm going to be hardcore this way. Right. Because then we can stick to my formula, <clears throat> and you're either in or you're out. Mm-hmm. But to live within those tensions means we actually have to have relationship with people. We have to do what your pastor did and talk talk it out, mm-hmm. come to some understanding. Just because you didn't believe that one thing does not mean you're a bad human. Right. It does not mean that you don't belong in a leadership role teaching kids. Mm-hmm. Now, those other people may see it that way because, again— that's the they want to die on that ditch, which is just unbelievable. Right. Because a lot of these things, and this is what's so interesting with scripture, you can find a lot of times, you can find your position in scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And say, well, I've got scripture to prove that. 
But then this denomination says, no, I've got scripture mm-hmm. to prove that. And then this non-denominational church says, but I've got scripture. It's like, so which one is it? Mm-hmm. Who's right? right? Whose scriptural interpretation is right? Because they all, the Assemblies of God has a laundry list of scriptures on the Holy Spirit and how you're saved and then you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I I learned from my Baptist friends, who I'm honest to God, uh, well, it wasn't technically a Baptist church, but it was people who were raised. I was open minded because I was raised in that whole Pentecostal thinking, mm-hmm. um, and there is some beauty in it. That mm-hmm. if you're open to it, 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 you can really enrich your spiritual life in a beautiful way. I agree. But when I really started getting away from how I think they've chosen certain scriptures to say what they want. Mm-hmm. And I looked at the whole, um, this Pentecostal boy learned some things from some Baptist people. <laughs> Heavens and, forbid. And I, I know, and I think they're right. I mean, it's like, but wait, how did I not see that? That's what scripture says, that the mm-hmm. minute I come into faith with Jesus, I'm filled with the Spirit. So then it got me thinking, well, are there two Holy Spirits? <laughs> is there one Holy Spirit that's just special for the Pentecostals and another Holy? No, there is one Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now you can grow in the Spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's where some of these Pentecostal or charismatic um, manifestations, if you will, can happen because people are, are seeking that, mm-hmm. you know. But, you know, it, it doesn't mean that you're superior no, no, because no. you've reached this higher level. Right. You know, because, well, this person speaks in tongues or this person prophesies. You know, again, my Baptist friends taught me, well, these are spiritual gifts. You know, yeah. and that, that came from the megachurch. You know, and I, right. and I, but I was so glad to finally see the whole picture and not just someone's narrow-minded point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, it really helped me, you know, as an older adult who'd been a Christian all my life. But again, I, I was raised in one sort of narrow path. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously we, Radon and I both departed from that right. because we just felt like there's, there's more than just a denomination and a denomination's path and a denomination's framework. And we, we want to experience more for sure. You know, so, but I, I really believe that if we just do what your pastor modeled to you, if we just talk it out, we can learn from one another and we don't right. have to be so staunch on some of these hangups. Right. Absolutely. It, it, it's destroying. It's destroying the church, really, I think. Yeah, we'll get into that in a second. I would just want to make a comment that I really, truly believe that most Pentecostal churches um, are very open about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, and that's something I appreciate about Pentecostal churches. And that's where I learned the Holy Spirit from was Pentecostal churches. Cause it turns out they talk about the Holy Spirit way more than any other church denomination, at least in my experience. They're not afraid of it for sure. Absolutely. And I think too many churches are too afraid about the gifts or the Holy Spirit or heavens forbid someone said something in the church. I agree. I mean, the, the Holy Spirit, it's a its a beautiful subject. It really is. The person of the Holy Spirit, when you really break it down as its own unique person of the, the Godhead, mm-hmm. it is, it's, it's fascinating. It and, really is. And you can study for years and years and years and still not know everything. But again, any scriptural truths or scriptural um, teachings, if you embrace it with an open mind, you can learn from it. Absolutely. You can grow from it and you can grow spiritually. But the minute we start putting scripture and God, you know, when we put it all in this narrow box Mm -hmm. and say, this is the only way 
then I just think we've lost. I agree. And and we're gonna lose people because mm-hmm. not everyone's gonna fit in that narrow box. I agree. So do you think that denominations are divisive? I believe they can be. Can be. Okay. That's I believe they can be. I'm not gonna say all of them are. Right. But I think they can be. Um, you know, I think. Um, it, well, let's go a step further. Yeah. Break down what you mean by divisive, because I have some super liberal, progressive Christian friends who would say their version of divisive, mm-hmm. but then your version of divisive might be different. So I'm more r- relating to like um, the fact that God calls us to be one church. Mm-hmm. We're not at all. I agree. With all these div- divisions, mm-hmm. with di- all these denominations. So mm-hmm. how do we handle that? It's not scriptural. No, it's not. To have a denomin to be a denomination. I agree, one hundred percent. I just I I don't, and I'm not saying it's not there. Maybe I've never seen it. Maybe no one's ever shown. You know, but but I, I would love for if you're listening out there in <laughs> podcast land, if you can find for me where in where scripture uh, says we should have denominations for for Christianity, please show me because I've never seen that in the Bible. I haven't either. And, and so, yes, and it, to that definition of divisive, I would say denominations are divisive mm-hmm. by that context. Context, okay. Meaning that we're, you know, we're dividing people based on, I believe, you know, in this scripture, in this way or that way, or, I, you know, that, that we are one body. You know, there's that cliche term the big c church uh-huh, you know uh-huh. but i mean i understand what people mean when they say that it's it's just the church the church mm-hmm. it, when we go to heaven one day it's going to be the church it won't there's not going to be a presbyterian <laughs> section or a catholic <laughs> section or you know it's like oh my gosh mm-hmm. really no I, I i in that regard i do believe denominations can be divisive or are divisive uh, I have seen, and I will say, and it, with the Assemblies of God, for example, it really depends on where you're at in the United States as to how old-fashioned or progressive they are. Yeah. So I've got a lot of um, friends in California, mm-hmm. which, you know, in high-up leadership in the organization, and, and I've seen the organization in, in those parts uh, be much more open to other denominations, you know, and fellowshipping, if you will, with other denominations and inviting people to come in and speak at conferences that aren't assembly. Because way, way, way back in the day, like in an Assemblies of God church, you, you could only have people as guest speakers that were Assemblies of God. Yeah. 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 Now, I think for the most part, that's not a thing. Right. Unless maybe you're, you know, in some small southern town somewhere where... <laughs> They still hold in snakes, but, right? right. <laughs> you know, it's like that's little. So you know, but yeah. uh, so I've I've watched that organization. I can say uh, definitely be more open minded. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've you know tackled you know back in the day, you couldn't be in ministry in the Assemblies of God if you were divorced. That yeah. was almost like the impardonable sin. I've watched them work through that. Mm-hmm. I've watched them work through. I mean, they ordain a lot of women in ministry. Yep. I've watched them work through that. Now, um, because this is a negative, I'm not going to call out the denomination because I, <laughs> I just don't feel 
that that would be right. Okay. But there are denominations that that are pro- very prominent mm-hmm. in um, the United States. Uh, one in particular that I see going backwards. I agree. And it's sad because they they've got influence, and you know, good schools, and you know, I'll stop right there. But you know, I I, I see, I'm watching fighting over some of these things where like for example the assemblies of god they're working through it mm-hmm. it's been slow but they you know they're i'm like yeah i'm proud of you assembly of god people but these other people i'm like what is going on you know you got people you know leaving because it's like yeah I, you're saying there's not a place for me you're saying that i can't be called by god and be a part of your denomination so i'm out of here and and i don't necessarily see that denomination uh making efforts to change they're just it seems like they're getting more restrictive yeah and i and that's that's unfortunate it is and again that's their business Mm -hmm. that's their prerogative um but i just you know i think the more restrictive we are the more isolating we are the more that we have these really tight boundaries that only certain people can fit in i i'm just I'm not sure how, how does God see that? Is he happy about that? I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. And my baseline is love. Are you loving people properly? And when you say you're, let's say this for me, I won't speak for you, homosexuals. So you're saying that you can't have homosexuals in our church. Is that loving? No. Is that biblical? Probably not. Just saying. So, you know, that, that, that's a, a great issue. You know, not one, and it's one I'm not afraid to talk about, but it, you know, I have seen that um, be a stumbling block for churches. Absolutely. Because, you know, kind of like when I said earlier, we don't know what to do with it. They don't know what to do with that. You know, and it's like. How about you just love? Yeah, I mean, and, and, and again, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say I, I have a friend um, who's gay who was on a church staff, and my friend was very angry. Um, for some different reasons, but, you know, tried to, uh, you know, I think would say, well, they didn't, you know, I can't be there because I'm gay, and which is not the reason they left the, the church in the first place. But I, I've watched things morph. And I'm like, no, that you can't, you knew what they were when you went and worked there. You knew what their, their scriptural stand was, and that's their right to have that kind of framework. They interpret it that way. Right. And you knew that when you went on staff there. And just because you couldn't, you know, be the gay Pied Piper for the church and, you know, it, that doesn't mean they're evil. Even though my gay friend sees them as evil. And so some of my progressive friends would say the same thing. They would say, well, any church that doesn't accept they're evil. I, I would disagree with that. You okay. know, I mean, really, you know, my, my wife... And uh, her, but my wife's a counselor, and, and her boss, he's an amazing guy. Uh, they've talked about, you know, what is really evil? Mm-hmm. You know, someone with a mindset, I don't necessarily think that's evil. Someone who's a murderer, you know, who does bad things to people. Well, that, you know, now again, um, churches have the right to have their theological point of view. And we have the right not to go there. 
but I'm not going to criticize a church, even though there's some things I just don't like. It's not, you know, I'm not going to go bash the church because there are their point of view mm-hmm. does have scriptures to support that. Now, my progressive friends would say, yeah, but if you look deeper here and deeper there, and if you understand the context, and if you go way, way back and look at the original manuscripts that haven't been, you know, altered, because people have altered things, yeah. you know, especially yeah. with all these interpretations and of the Bible that we have, it's interesting. You can, you know, take, go on Bible Gateway and look at things mm-hmm. straight across, and it almost starts to get a different meaning. Yep. You know, so I'm not, you know, endorsing anything. I'm just saying, you know, so with that particular subject, I'm not going to say, well, if your church doesn't, you know, have that scriptural interpretation, then you're evil. That No, that's their right. Um, it's a tough subject, you know, but I, but I do think we have a responsibility. And here's what I think. And I, and I, I could be, I, maybe I'm just, you know, dreaming and this will never happen. <laughs> I still believe that as, as a church, you can have your framework and you can have your scriptural interpretation on something, but still find ways to be open-minded, mm-hmm. to love, mm-hmm. to bring people on and be a part. Now, maybe, you know, be honest. This is where the honesty comes in. Right. You know, it's like, just say up front, all you're ever going to do here is be a door greeter because you're gay. Mm-hmm. And we can't, we just don't see that, you know. I, I think a gay person would appreciate someone just being honest instead of throwing out that blanket of hope. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, maybe, you know, in our eyes, we will redeem you and you will turn from your evil ways. You know, it's like, it's not, that's just not, you know, that's not how it works. <laughs> you know, only God can do that. Only God can make changes. And I am not going to look at someone and say, well, they need some God change. You know, it's their salvation. Mm-hmm. I i don't have to agree with it, but I'm not going to judge them either. Right. And, you know, again, I think churches just need to be honest with their framework and, and they need to say up front, you know, it's the same way with women. Oh, we affirm women in ministry, but you're never going to have a pastor title, but Uh you can teach Sundays. This is the funny, you, we take women Mm -hmm. and put them over our children during their most formidable and impressionable years. It, It. Teachers and kids' church and Sundays are predominantly women, and we trust them mm-hmm. to influence our children. But we, oh my gosh, I can't listen to a woman preach. Why? <laughs> you listen to her preach to you when you were, you know, in Sunday school 30 years ago. It just blows me away. Right. So, on, on that subject, again, just say up front when women come in and they I want to serve just tell them this is this is it this is your box in this church mm-hmm. you will never do more than this and if you're cool with that we're cool with you and let's all you know be in love and you know <laughs> prosper right but instead you know churches have very clever language and you know uh, we accept everybody but they don't no they don't there's a difference between, you know it, you don't just because you don't accept, there's different ways, again, that's a subjective term. 
just kind of like how when I said, "What do you mean by divide?" You know, but it doesn't mean that they're they're the devil because they don't accept. But there's just people have their grid, and grids determine acceptance. Mm-hmm. So a church's framework will tell you who's going to be accepted in certain positions, who will be able to be pastors, who can just be door greeters, who can be parking lot attendants. And it's almost disrespectful, really, in a way to have, you know, ministries in your church where it's like, oh, well, we're just going to put the leftovers over there. We're, we're going to put the, <laughs> the people we don't want. Well, they can do that, and then we can say, but no, we've got a place for everybody. I just think that's so sad. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And, and it's kind of demeaning, mm-hmm. especially to the parking lot attendants where it's like, yeah, there's no bar here. <laughs> you know, come on out, you know. Well, I see what you're saying. Yeah. You know, when I mean, I look at it down to that, which I, I think, I don't know. I don't know. I have a lot of feelings. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I see what you're saying. And uh, my re- initial reaction is if. You're treating women like that or not accepting homosexuals. I'm not going to be a part of that framework. I'm not going to be a part of that church then. But I, I think it comes down to being that honesty and that transparency. And for me, it's almost like, going, Ugh, I'm not going to go there then. And um, that's just me speaking, my personal feelings, because that's the person I've become in maturity and reading scripture and how I feel about it. So I need to find a place that accepts that. Yeah. Rather than keep seeing all these churches that don't. Well, let me go back a few years and, you know, we'll get off the, the hot topics of women and gays, <laughs> you know. But but I'll go back a few years and take you to some hot topics of my Pentecostal church Ooh. from the 70s and wow. early 80s, all right? So way, way in the way back, uh, <laughs> the women at our church were not allowed to wear pants oh, okay. to yeah, church. Yeah. That was like a big no-no. Mm-hmm. I have no idea why they wanted to pick on the poor women because guys could gross how they want. Although I will say I was sent home. Uh, I wore shorts on a Saturday to a church work day, and the pastor made me leave. Are you heathen? And I was, I was only like tw- – and the only reason I was there is my dad was – I rode my bike to the church in you know, uh-huh. a small town, and I took my dad lunch. And I was just like, hey, what you doing, dad? You know, and I remember the pastor like – Pointed his finger in my face and was like, young man, you, you cannot be here dressed like that. And I was like, I felt so dirty. Like I, you know, I cried cause I was like, what have I done wrong? Oh my God. I can't be on the, cause I'm wearing short. And my mom was like, that's the dumbest thing, you know? And my mom was so good. She's like, Dun. well now my mom, she smoked. Okay. And you would have thought that that she was, you know, Chester the molester, you know, in our, because, oh, she smokes. My mom had a calling on her life. My mom was very gifted and talented and loved working with kids. Mm -hmm. And all she wanted to do was work in the kids' ministry, and they would not let her work in the kids' Mm -hmm. ministry because she smoked. So I watched my mom be ashamed of herself, and but, you know, for people, not really because, you know, God was, you know, moving. She wanted to please people, and she worked really hard and kicked the habit. For many years. And when that happened, you would have thought the heavens opened up. And eventually she became the kids director at the church I grew up in. And I was just like, wow. You know, it, 
you know, when you're young, you don't really think about it. You're like, oh, yay, we had a victory. Mom doesn't smoke. Which I was really glad mom doesn't smoke. You know? Right, right, right. Uh, but, I mean, it was like little things like that. You, uh, There were women, I remember, being asked to leave our church because they showed up in pants. Wow. I, just, you know, it's crazy. And then there's other churches that are even sort of, you know, Pentecostals have lots of different denominations within the denominations. It's true. So then there's the Pentecostal churches where women can't cut their hair mm-hmm. and, you know, can't wear makeup, can't wear jewelry. You know, it's like, where do you stop with this kind of stuff? And they really believe like you, you cannot be in leadership if you're a woman with short hair. And if you show up to church and makeup, Oh my God, you're a whore. You know, it's like, right. <laughs> really? You know? So I don't know. It, you see all these things that people get hung up on, you know, now I've, I've watched it turn from pants and then they kind of got over that. Then it was the smoking and you know, that's still like whatever. But then it was, um, going to movies. I, I wasn't allowed to, well, technically wasn't allowed to go to movies growing up, although I did, but like to be a member of our church, you had to sign a membership card that said you would not go to movies. Oh, wow. Wow. Cause they believed that that was an ungodly atmosphere. Mm hmm. And that that was a sin. Everything mm. was a sin. And the truth, you could not drink alcohol because that was a sin. Mm-hmm. Um, just on and on and on. It was just this list of you can'ts. And so then, so then you move ahead in culture, and culture starts accepting that. You know, now it's women in ministry. You know, now we've gotten to gay people and or or this. Per, you know, it's like. But I've watched many churches culturally kind of change, and so my my pushback is. But you were certain 30 years ago <laughs> that there were scriptures to back up these things that you said were sin. Mm-hmm. But now they're not. Mm-hmm. I watched the same thing with people who were divorced. That When I, gosh, in the 70s and 80s, growing up in church, divorced people had no shot no. of doing anything. Because mm-hmm. you were awful. Because you got a divorce. Uh-huh. Um, I heard people saying, well, if you ever remarry, then you are perpetually committing adultery mm-hmm. and they they got that from some old testament scripture you know one little thing i, I don't even remember where it was at but it's like huh so uh yeah i mean i I've, I've seen all those kinds of things but you know so maybe someone had a bad marriage maybe they stepped out on one another and they were awful mm-hmm and they divorce, and then what happens when they come back to Jesus, mm-hmm. or come to Jesus, and they they accept Christ, and then they realize, oh my gosh, you know, so either your sins are forgiven or they're not. Right. And then I have a calling on my life. Oh, but wait, I've got this divorce thing going on. Mm-hmm. Well, it's impossible for me to go back and marry my ex-spouse because they're remarried. So what, you know, you know, it's, you, you see all these caveats that happen. But I mean, I I grew up watching these awful judgments on people. Who are human, mm-hmm. you know. So, you, you know, I I caught a little bit about that when I was divorced. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I caught a little bit of it. I lost some friends um, because of it. Really? Now, what? Why did they tell you why? Was it just because they chose sides, or they thought you were wrong? Or no, didn't even give a reason. Didn't even have a conversation. Just the moment that uh, we split, they did too. Uh, my gut tells me because I'm the man, it's always the man's fault. Usually there's some kind of infidelity or cheating. Men are capable of doing that. And usually it's the case. That's 
a large percentage of reason why a lot of people get divorced is the man cheats on the woman. That wasn't my case, but that's what I felt all the time. And even in some Christian circles I was a part of treated me differently. Um, I <laughs> This is a kind of a comical thing. So I started dating after my divorce mm-hmm. and in Christian circles. And one girl was like, oh, I can't date you because you're divorced. I'll pray for your salvation. Yeah, a 20-something and said that to me. So immediately because you're divorced, then you're not saved. Yep. Because, you know, I'm pursuing relationships, and that's adultery. Oh, so. that's right. So you're going to be that perpetual adulterer. Uh-huh. Yep. Sorry, man. Yeah, I know. I guess I'm going I to hope hell. hope you like hell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who in their right <laughs> mind... Decided that humans get decide get to decide who goes to heaven and hell. I, I am so sick of that. Yep. And I've seen that, and it is not our jo- job to condemn anyone to hell. There is nowhere in the Bible that says, you know, I've I'm at such a high level of spirituality, I get to now point the finger and say you're worthy, but you're not. We are all worthy of God. Yep. We are all worthy of heaven. We are all capable of doing bad things. Yep. I mean, it's it, it if if heaven was just for in Christianity were just for like perfect people who I don't exist. <laughs> It'd be a very lonely place. It would be a lonely place. You know what I Again, at my dad's funeral, um or was it my mom? No, it was my mom's funeral. Um, I spoke at both my parents' funerals when they passed, but I remember the the scripture from Proverbs, um, train up a child in the way he should go, mm-hmm. and uh, and eventually he'll come back. You know, it, it says it different, but I mean, but that's, well, that's the, the basis of it. The prodigal son. Yeah, so um, I remember reading that, and I had this light bulb moment <laughs> preparing for my mom's funeral. Mm. It's like, wait a minute. If you got to come back, that means you went away. Mm. And I started really breaking that down and reading different interpretation, you know, different uh, uh, translations of that passage. And it's like, it's pretty clear. And then I and then I thought to myself, that is so interesting. That I mean, I believe scripture, as they say, is God breathed or inspired by God. So I mean, it's like. You know, however you look at scripture, it's kind of interesting that there's this, you see different scriptures throughout the Bible where it's almost like there's an understanding that we are going to depart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, I think that's hard for people to realize. And again, I, I uh, another thing I learned from my Baptist friends <laughs> that I struggled <laughs> with, and uh I have a friend, and I'll say her name because it's okay. It's safe. Her name is Vivian, and a lot of people know Vivian. She, we had a, she was raised Baptist, and it was at my former church. But we had a long talk one day about eternal security. Okay. Growing up Pentecostal and Assemblies of God, you know, we, I just was always taught, you know, oh, those Baptists, they're once saved, always saved, you know, you know, very critical. But Vivian, I remember sat down with me one day because I was really struggling with. the concept 
and she explained it to me so beautifully. And I've never forgot it, but she's like, what, would you ever turn your back on your kids, Chris? I'm like, no, never. She goes, so once they're your kids, they're your kids. No matter what they do, they are your kids. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. She goes, so do you really think that God, being all loving and merciful, that once you come to Christ, that you lose Christ, that you lose God? She goes, it's, you can walk away. But she goes, but God, it, Jesus is always with you. You know, and she really pushed back on that, you know, whole, I got to come and get saved again or rededicated. You know, and it started to make sense to me, and I started reading more and researching more and, you know, and then found that scripture, you know, the whole train up a child and and when they come, it's like, I think God always knew maybe that we we are going to explore, some of us. Mm Mm-hmm. Why would it say when they come back? <laughs> you know, because if the, you know, if there wasn't like this, you know, exploring clause built in, I don't know. <laughs> but again, then you read about free will. Um, I don't know. It, it, there, there's so many things we'll never be able to answer in a podcast. But I mean, no. I think I think it really just goes to say you need to study, and you can't just put, you know. I'll say another name because it's okay. My friend Jordan, always <laughs> I love talking about scripture with him because you know he just believes wholeheartedly. You just can't put it in a box. It's just not one size fits all. And you know I've learned from you know my father-in-law who you know was a hardcore you know Pentecostal preacher, and he he just he lived out his faith so authentic. Mm-hmm. I mean, you knew he believed and lived by what he taught. But I remember him always saying, you know, you're always learning from the word. You mm-hmm. never stop learning. Right. Then a modern day version of that is my friend Jordan saying you can't put scripture in a box. There's always you just keep going deeper. And that's what I think is beautiful about the Bible is that we've not arrived. No. You know, you know, again, there are those fundamental frameworks in the Bible that say truth. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, then there's the hangups. You know, it's like, no, we've. I think there's so much more to learn. I I agree. And I think we have to keep talking, you know, and stop judging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no judging. You know, it's like, why? I understand why that has to be a part of Christianity. Um, But it's like if we stop judging and just enter into conversations, you know, with people who want to explore and just really get and explore the Bible together, explore spirituality together, I think we'll have more moments of like what you experienced where you've got one person saying you don't belong in leadership because you don't see it this way. And yet your pastor is going, well, let's talk through this. Yep. Why is I just, why is that so hard? Uh, People. (laughs) The truth is, again, we're we're going to have our own thoughts. We're Uh going to have, uh you know, we're going to wander, but I believe God's bigger than our wandering. Yeah. God, God is, if we truly believe God is all powerful and God is love, <laughs> then, I mean, that, that goes so far. You know, yep. we, I have a responsibility to live out my faith, you know, not be careless with it. If I love it, I'm not going to be careless with it. Right. You know, when you, uh, you know, get married, you, you, you women especially have diamond rings and, you know, they love those. They're not going to be careless with their ring. Right. You know, they guard that. Yeah, well, I look at that. You know, my faith is the same thing. If it's something that I love so much, I'm not going to be careless. Right. You know, because um, if I'm careless with it, then I guess it really doesn't mean anything to me. Right. So then why bother? But, you know, I, it doesn't mean I'm perfect. I'm 100% not perfect. Right. It doesn't mean I don't, str- I 100% struggle. I have issues 
I'm a walking <laughs> bag of issues, you know? <laughs> but I also know that, that Jesus loves me mm-hmm. in spite of my issues, in spite of my, my failings, in spite of, you know, all these things. And I do, that's not saying that I'm let off the hook. Right. Because I'm responsible. Mm-hmm. You know, but at the end of the day, I am responsible. Mm-hmm. It's my salvation. And I do believe that, you know, we have to look at everybody individually. And instead of saying, you know, oh, well, if they could just get that sin out of their life. It's, seriously, it's, again, they might be okay. I don't know. You know, it might not jive with you, but that person might love Jesus just as much as you do, but see something differently and live a little bit differently than you do. Does that mean that they can't love Jesus? Does that mean that they can't worship Jesus? Right. Does that mean that they can't lead someone to Christ just because they live a different lifestyle than you do? Right. And again, if I believe God is that powerful, and I believe that, you know, Scripture says God's not a man that he would lie. Mm -hmm. So if Scripture is that powerful, the Holy Spirit, as we learned, is that powerful, Mm -hmm. then it can uniquely and singularly work in someone else's life without my help. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, you said, um, if that person has a sin, I was like, okay, here's a list. Yeah. Right? But again, I... I, I, (laughs) Here's here's a list of all of my sin, and I I think it goes back to loving that person regardless. Regardless. I mean, there is caveats to that. If that person's abusive or murderer or evil, then obviously not. But you're still kind of called to love them, but you can still back away from them. But I, I think the baseline is just love people better. Right? I, I agree. You know, we what's what's funny is the things that we get hung up on that we think are unscriptural or ungodly or, or sinful are things that are not in the Ten Commandments. You know, I always go right. to the top ten. You know, the, the, those are those are pretty solid. I mean, yeah, even yeah, if yeah. you don't believe in God or Christianity, I still think you can look at the Ten Commandments and say, that those are pretty right on. Yeah, no. Just do that. Just do that. <laughs> right. You know, so um, the things that I see we get hung up on in churches really are outside of that. You right. Know? Again, that framework. And so I don't know. I, I just, I've watched culturally things change. Things that were a sin are now no longer a sin. <laughs> <laughs> Certain things you could get fired for working on a church staff, you know, up to even 20 years ago. I had, and this was like early 2000s, mm-hmm. worked at a church where I had to sign a covenant Ooh. and say that I would not go to R-rated movies. Uh, I remember that trend. Until the Mel Gibson movie, The Passion, came out. Uh. And it was rated R. <laughs> and the pastor uh. wanted the staff to go. But it's like, but we're not allowed to go. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> you know, it's like, come on now. Again, what? Well, Oh, wasn't allowed to go to the casino either. Mm. Better not catch you at the boat. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm not a gambler or anything, but it's like, but then it was like, but why? They have restaurants there, right? You know, there's other things to do than gamble, you know, or whatever. But so, what if I want to go play a slot machine? <laughs> Does playing a slot machine mean I don't love Jesus? <laughs> Seriously, right? How is that different than you know when I was you know 13? spending, you know, 10 to $20 on a Saturday afternoon at the arcade. Right. You know, what's different? You're just playing a game. Now, again, there's gambling addictions and things like, I'm not, I'm not talking about, I'm just talking about just, right. You go visit somewhere, have some fun or whatever, and go home or go to dinner. It happens to be at a casino. 
big whoop. You know, we we've got churches get so judgy. You know, yeah, you mentioned Harry Potter earlier, and I remember that churches were very against Harry Potter. It was satanic. The spell oh that they're saying were satanic. Yeah. So funny, <laughs> funny story about Harry Potter. We're in New York. Okay. And um, Harry, yeah, you know, I love the Harry Potter thing. Justin, my son, was Harry Potter one year for <laughs> Halloween. Oh wow. Okay. And um. I think he even went to church dressed like that, you know, because the kids' church, they let him wear their little costumes or whatever. And um, move ahead a few years, and we've moved to Missouri at said church. And (laughs) one of the first things that's happening is they're, like, all anti-Harry Potter. And we're like, what's happening? You know, and, and, and like, Justin was kind of crushed. And uh, and. And I kind of casually said, well, you know, we've seen it. And Justin was actually that for Halloween. And <laughs> But then, of course, you celebrate Halloween. You celebrate yeah, the Devil's Day. It's like, oh, my gosh. Seriously? Yeah. Whatever. So, I mean, it gets stupid. And then I, I was talking to Justin not too long ago, and we were talking about all of his Harry Potter books. He's like, yeah, man, that's like one of my biggest regrets. I'm like, wait. He's like, I got rid of all that stuff. I'm like, why? Oh. He's like. Because I didn't want to go to hell. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, I didn't realize he had gotten rid of I'm like, man, those would be great to have now. Right. <laughs> but it's like, you know, you look back and it's like, that was dumb. Mm-hmm. You know. So it's like, again, I, I've watched some churches evolve and get out of those ruts and get out of that. You know, again, if that's not right for you, then don't do it. But don't judge me because I feel like that's okay for me. I'm going to go watch Harry Potter. All right. Deal with it. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I might own a wand. I don't know, but no, I don't. <laughs> I'm going to get you a wand. I would love to have a Harry Potter <laughs> wand. That would be the most exciting thing ever. Uh, um, but no, I, I, I just, I think we have to be open-minded and we have to discuss. We have to evolve. And and we can't be so dogmatic. Yeah, that's a good word. You know, with some of these hang-ups because it literally is, that is dividing the church. I agree. Even greater than denominations you know denominations divide in one way mm-hmm. but our hang-ups divide in another way because we they push people out yep and, and like i said earlier if you are in the church you should love people and you should want people and you want to help them and want to walk with them All, whoever they are and how they are yep and i don't know why that's so hard well <laughs> I I think about this often. This is what Jesus struggled with, with the Pharisees. It was exactly this. Exactly what we're talking about. It was because of he ate something on the Sabbath or picked corn, and the Pharisees hated him, and that started the whole gamut of wanting to kill him because he did something on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And it's like we're getting so hung up on this garbage that you're not even seeing the Savior not even seeing the Messiah right. right in front of you. Right. And it's nothing new to the church. That's what whole, that's <laughs> ultimately became the right divide. But that started like, uh, you just look at all the Pharisees and what they were doing. They got so caught up in, oh, you need to do it a certain way. You have all these other laws of the Old Testament that we're holding on to. And Jesus is like, no, just love people. Mm-hmm. Stop it. And they missed it. And that's so crazy to me that we're still doing that today. Do you want to know? This is going to be funny. I just thought of this. One of the places where I, <laughs> this is going to sound bizarre, but where <laughs> I see a beautiful picture of Christianity mm-hmm. is at a place uh, called Temple Israel. 
in St. Louis. Okay. A Jewish synagogue. Okay. And they don't believe in Jesus the way we do. Right. But I see... So how it's all started, my best friend is Jewish, mm-hmm. and he's a musician, and you know, music really connected us, and he's visited my church on holidays and likes to come and you know, see what we do, and then I started visiting him because he leads worship for his temple. Okay. Um, well, the next thing you know, long story short, uh, he's like, hey, you should maybe play piano with us, and, and we have another friend who plays cello, and so uh, I play once a month for this temple with my friend Rob and um, he plays guitar I'm on piano and our friend is on cello or bass and he does very like contemporary versions of uh, traditional Jewish music okay um, and it's a reformed uh, synagogue so they're that would be like the the equivalent of a non-denominational church they're very open right um, but I've gotten to know many people there I've gotten to know the rabbis there and it's such a loving and warm environment mm. filled with, with community. And one of the first things I noticed, because I had never had any exposure uh, to the Jewish culture um, and, you know, up close and personal until I lived in St. Louis. Um, and being a part of this has just been, it's, it's grounded me even more in my faith, mm. really, because I, I, I've just seen these people worship differently, but it's from this heart of joy. And I, you know, I've taken a lot of notes and like, man, yeah, I, I wish some of the churches I worked at would, people would be that excited, you know, (laughs) but what I love it is it's just this, there's just, it's a community of love. It's a community of acceptance. Um, and I, I feel accepted. I'm a Gentile in a Jewish (laughs) situation, right? Mm -hmm. No one makes me feel inferior ever. That's awesome. And probably one of my greatest, um, just compliments that you know just i don't know very affirming is i was invited to play for the play piano for the high holy days you know rosh hashanah and yom kippur and i mean it's like i'm not jewish i'm not even you know a member of their temple right yet there was that affirmation and they're fine you know and i feel a part of that community that's really but cool. i've i've learned from them you know what it feels like not to be judged for being different Mm-hmm. You know, because they, you know, now some, you know, conservative Jewish situations would never let me do that because I'm not, you know, I'm not Jewish. Right. You know? And um, but I've had some really good talks about spirituality with the rabbis mm-hmm. and in and they've very much I felt like respected what I've had to say. Um, and, and my friend Rob as well, just, you know, it's very respectful and mutual back and forth. And I. And it just makes me sad because I see some parts of Christianity just not getting that right. <laughs> right. You know, but I've learned that. I, it took me having to go to uh, a temple service and be a part of a, a Jewish community to to learn what that, you know, to be on the receiving end of feeling that kind of acceptance. Right. But it's changed my perspective with how I lead in church. Because I always want now, I want anyone who comes through the doors of the churches that I work at to feel that kind of. I don't want to make anybody feel like, oh, you're not one of us, right? So you can't be a part. Mm-hmm. You can. I mean, and I think it's very God, and that's why I say, you know, I've I've seen this beautiful picture of Christ's love <laughs> in a Jewish, <laughs> yeah, you know, people yeah. who don't even affirm Christ, but they're they're the fruit is there, and it's just a, it's a beautiful feeling, right? Um, no, I, I can relate to that in some funny ways, too, like D&D. 
You, uh, what does Jesus tell us to do? Get around a table, have you know drinks, have food, and just be with each other. Yeah, that's D and D, Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> this buddy's hanging around, having fun, having a good time. It, it, you see a beautiful picture of camaraderie. You mm-hmm. see a beautiful picture of acceptance and loving, and yeah, and it's <laughs> it's funny to see these what the church should be, mm-hmm. and other places. And I, I, I think uh, especially modern churches or Christianity or Protestant churches need to catch up. I, I agree. You know, and again, I, I, I'm not going to say all of them do that. Not all denominations are bad or not all churches. Right. You know, right. but I've seen many that, you know, kind of have these hangups. And, you know, I, th- I think the um, what is key is this. We need to infiltrate those churches Mm, mm. running away from it is not part of the solution right we have to confront it now of course there might be places where we're not welcome right and that's fine so then we'll go find another place where we're welcome Mm -hmm. you know but i but i i think turning our back on the church is not the right answer uh i i think you know for those of us who feel like we want to do that or feel called to do that you know just I know, I'll speak for myself, I know how I'm wired, I know what God's put in me, I know uh, church will always play a role in my life in some capacity. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm always going to go into it. Hopefully every year I'm a little wiser and I'm using more wisdom with how I, you know, go forth. But I mean, it's like I... I, I still have the same heart for people. It's never changed. I right. still have that same open mind of, you know, teach me, mm-hmm. teach me, let me learn, let, let me grow. Maybe I don't, maybe I wasn't raised like you. Maybe I don't think like you, you know, maybe you're a introvert and I'm an extrovert, you know, but right. I can still learn mm-hmm. from you. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, but I think when we run from it, that's not that's not going to help it and that's not going to help other people i think i i think uh the innocent folks out there need to have some defenders you know <laughs> and if we're not in the church you know it's okay that you know i think god puts us in certain places sometimes to even respectfully you know keep in mind respectfully call some things out mm-hmm. you know respectfully remind people that oh, i i don't think that's good behavior i don't think that's christ-like have you considered you know how you said that may have affected these people. You know, again, I, I, we, we, we help one another, Yeah. you know? So I think again, when we've gone through these experiences, like we have in some of my friends and my family, you know, I think running from it is not going to solve anything, but I think we can definitely help be a part of the solutions. If, you know, we are, we are the things that we talk about, <laughs> you know, right, right, we right. have to be willing to you know be humble and and not raise our ugly heads either right because we won't make progress by doing that mm-hmm. you know? but like i said there, there's times where it can't happen because it's it's not a two-sided thing and then you do have to move on but, yeah but but i i do think uh you asked me earlier before we even started the podcast we were talking about the, the future of the church mm-hmm. you know I, i've thought a lot about that and it's like I believe the church has a future, but I think leaders in the church have to embrace that it's going to look different mm-hmm. than, you know, what we've known it to be, mm-hmm. uh, especially post-COVID. Yeah. 
that's changed so much mm -hmm. for how we do and, you know, what we do and what we spend our resources on. You know, so I, I just think for me, COVID being on a, I work part-time at a church. Uh -huh. So uh, being on a church staff, even on a part-time capacity, the COVID year, I didn't think was an awful year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was a challenging year. It mm -hmm. was a year that um, I had to learn to do some things different. I had to learn to be more effective in other ways. Right. Um, and, and I look back now, I'm really glad for it because I, I feel better about myself. I feel better about the things I've done and the things that I've invested in. It's been very different. And COVID pushed us to do that, you know, but I, I don't think we should just go back into the way it was before. I think we have to, we've learned some really important things that we need to keep doing. Right. But I, but I think the future of the church is, uh, it's just going to look different. You know, I think we're in a, our, our culture just across the board is, is changing. It is. There is, um, there's a lot of cultural division. Mm which yeah. is heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. But I think that also too affects the church. It does. You know, and sadly I think, you know, uh, politics are creeping in because mm -hmm. um, that's part of culture. Uh, and I think we have to really work hard at, at not letting that affect us. Mm -hmm. And I think the hardest thing for some leaders is affirming that people can have different points of view. <laughs> what? Yeah. Again, none of that is in is about Jesus and love and the Bible. So I, I think stay away from those things that divide us and let's focus on the things that can bring us together. Right. Um, and have engaging conversations. But I I think it's I I know of pastors who definitely struggle with how things are changing. For sure, and I don't say that in a critical way. I I'm, I am not a senior pastor, so I'm I've never walked a mile in a senior pastor's <laughs> shoes. So right. I'm I'm not going to judge. I mean, I, there's things about that role that I just think are uh, very difficult, mm -hmm. um, and I I pray for my senior pastor because, you know, he has to make decisions that, you know, affect people, that will come back on him. You know, and mm -hmm. so I do my best to be supportive. <laughs> Because it's like, well, I'm not the one carrying the weight. I'm not the one where the buck stops, you know. So, right. but but I think, you know, I do see uh, that in him, and I've seen it in others where there, there, there is a struggle of trying to figure out where are we going to be five years from now? Yeah. How, how do we have to function? You know, I don't know. It, it's, it's a tough thing, but I, I think we have to confront it head on. But I think, um, I believe the churches that are going to be successful for the future are the churches that will get rid of their old molds. Mm. And you, you don't have to get rid of your fundamental framework in terms of your beliefs, but I, but I do think you're going to have to start doing things differently to reach a different kind of culture. Yeah, I, I agree. There's a lot of jaded people out there. Yeah. More, I, think, I think we have more jaded, you know, ex-church people than ever before. I think, honestly, we're getting a second generation of that. Yeah. As people my age, I'm 36, maybe a little older who are now starting to have teenagers yeah. who have been jaded by the church, and now those teenagers are going to start to feel that. Well, mom or dad 
had this experience in the church, so I'm right. just going to stay away. Well, come on. Our kids watch what we're going through. Yeah, absolutely. My kids did. Yep. And, you know, my both of my kids, you know, processed and, and have, have taken different paths on how they've chosen to process that. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And I have to let them do that. Yeah, you know, absolutely. That's because, again, it's theirs to work out. And I, I trust God. Mm-hmm. I believe in everything that I was raised in. I believe in the things of how I've raised my kids. And to the point where I, they have to figure it out. And they'll choose their path. And I know they'll choose the right path. Right. I, I, I just, because I believe the power of God is that strong. And, and both of my kids have experienced God moments. And both of my kids have been in environments where the presence of God is real. Mm -hmm. And I know that they've brought him into their life. Um, And as my friend Vivian taught me, he's never going to leave them. Right. You know, even when they need to explore. Yeah. Even when they need to figure some things out. But sadly, the reason, you know, that, you know, my kids have gone through some of those things. thought processes is because of the things they've seen us go through. Yep. And I hate that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I, you know, I, again, train up a child in the way they should go. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I have to believe that that's true, that uh, people will come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, I, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not God. I'm not going to judge. I, I do believe God is a God of mercy Mm -hmm. and there are some good people out there who have their path is not the church, Mm -hmm. but I know they have God in their heart. They display fruits of the spirit. Right. And, you know, for different reasons, they just can't step foot into a church because of things they've seen or heard or don't agree with or just been hurt. And I don't believe like those that type, you know, that group of people are bad because they don't go to church. You know, I wish they would find, you know, I pray that they would find a community where they could, you know, I I would love to see people find somewhere where they can trust in the church again. Right. Because some of these people who I know don't attend church are so gifted and talented Mm. and could bring so much to the body. And that's where I think, oh, man, that's so sad. These people are, you know, that person does this and this person does that. But, you know, I'm not going to sit and judge them because they don't go to church. Right. I, I, would, ho- I would hope not because you're talking to one. No, I, <laughs> we've talked. I, I know where you're at, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it, and... Well, my thing is, okay, I'm, I'm jaded against the church. Uh, I, I feel this strongly that I probably won't work for a church. I'm just going to do my own community and have my own thing. Why not? But as you explained to me, that you do have a... A community. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, for lack of a better word, it's kind of a church. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at New Testament scripture, <laughs> mm-hmm. people were in small groups yep. in their homes, mm-hmm. and that was church. Yep. So, you know, you don't have to say you go to church. It's fine, Tim. But <laughs> no, it, no, it's that God having that sense of humor and going, oh, okay, kid, you, you don't want to work for a church anymore? Well, I'm going to bring it to you. Yeah. How about that? I mean, you know, you, you're living it out the way... Right now in this season of your life, this is how you want to live it out. Yeah. I I have much respect for that. Yeah. You know? Um, And I think the things that you're calling out are okay. Funny. The things that you're calling out on this podcast um, are are things that church leaders have such a fear of confronting. Right. 
Not all of them. Not again, all of them. Because I'm not putting all of them in a, you know, but I, but I know of leaders who, they, they don't want to admit oh, the church is flawed. We've hurt people. Mm. We've jaded people. Mm. And I admit it. And then do something about it and stop. And grow and mature. <laughs> you learn from your mistakes. You like. know, you know, I, and again, it's definitely two-sided, mm-hmm. you know, because it's not always the church's fault. I've watched people act like, you know, buttheads and it's like, oh, come on, grow up. Right. But, but again, from a leadership perspective, when you see a reoccurring theme, <laughs> I'm like, so is everybody lying? <laughs> Is everybody making this up? Right. You know, look, look at, you know, over the last year, how many staff members have you lost? How many church members have you lost? How many core leaders have you lost? You know, if, if you're in a situation like that, look in the mirror and stop blaming other people. Right. And maybe even have the cojones to go to them and say, hey, I know you're probably never going to come back here, but just tell me, tell me how we can change. Yeah. Tell me what I can do different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that. And if you can get to that place and then implement those changes, I think you'll be much better. I mean, I agree. I've, I've had people quit me, you know, and so I'm <laughs> serious because, you know, I, I'm not always an angel, but I've, I've had people step out of ministry groups that I've led. And I've, the hardest conversation is when I will sit down and say, what, please tell me honestly what I did. I want to mm. know. And I've had a few people tell me really honestly, well, here's what you did. Here's how you made me feel. Mm. You know, here's how I felt disrespected. Here's mm-hmm. how I felt like boundaries were broken. And it's like, okay, I I don't want to thank you. And I'm gonna, f- I'm not gonna make an excuse. I'm gonna take it for what it is, and I'm gonna try to f- try not to do that. And then you know, find some people that I can be accountable to, and say, if you see, you know, I have weaknesses, so I, you know, right. I I do have some people around me where. I just know that I have certain habits. Hey, if you see me doing this, would you please call me on it so I don't get bad at it? You know, right, you right, know, because right. I, you know, we're all wired a certain way, and, and some of the ways that we're wired aren't necessarily pleasing to others. So, <laughs> so, but I'll call out. These are my weaknesses, and when you see this, just please tell me because I want to do better. Right. You know. So, I don't know. I I, th- I think we have much to learn, and I think that as a, I think the church will thrive if they're honest leadership is honest and we're asking these questions that are tough and we're taking inventory as church leaders and and we're actually changing. Yeah, I agree. And I think when people see that, then I think the church has a good future. I I agree. You know, well, Chris, uh, we've been talking for over two hours now. Oh my gosh. I know time flew. I really yeah. did. I really enjoyed talking to you. This has been fun. I can't say that I've had a two-hour conversation with anyone in a long time. Welcome to post-COVID. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. There's that. There's that. Uh, so thank you for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you here. I hope that we get to do this again. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Tim. I appreciate it. And, um, you know, hopefully something that we've talked about today will – you know, resonate with someone who's listening. And if, if you are listening and, you know, want to talk, Tim knows how to get old of me. But, you know, hopefully if you've gone through some of these hurts, you can learn. There's ways to let it go and move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just the best thing that you can do. Um, you, you just got to move. Yep, absolutely. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, I love man. you, man. Love you too, buddy.